0: the open nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest now in season three the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals couples and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure spirituality and sexuality
1: This week on the Open Nesters podcast, our friendship series continues with Jonathan Pillett. Tessa, I have seen the friendship that you have with Jonathan Pillett evolve over the past two, three years. And it's beautiful to see, and I'm looking forward to hearing the interview.
0: Here's Jonathan. Welcome to the Open Esters podcast, my dear friend, Jonathan, recent and dear. How are you?
2: <laughs> I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm fighting a cold, so I hope I'm either not too nasal or that my voice is, uh, has a sexy mellifluence to it, too
0: mellifluence I don't even know it sounds very very congested even that word sounds congested but that we'll deal with what we got
2: I'm not even sure that I'm using it correctly but you know what the fuck
0: (laughs) well words are words and words matter though words matter I know words matter so we could look it up later
2: look it up later we we don't have the time to spend there we should be speaking about friendship
0: we're gonna talk about friendship because (laughs) I feel like part of it is how we have in only recent years found a a new language and a lot of new languages I want to tell you that I'm kind of developing in the last few months and will be over the next year around kind of the languages of friendship so I'll go through them in a little while but I just I know that you're somebody just so that our audience remembers that's been on our podcast once um, with Dr. Joshua Coleman and about estrangement with kids as well as your amazing work with unlabeling and I know you're doing a lot of that. So you can look back on that and in the podcast notes. I do want to mention there'll be updates on Jonathan's work if you're interested. So on some level, I think lang- it's almost like we we embrace the paradoxes. Jo- Jonathan and I met on a, on, a, on a dating app. But when we first met for lunch, we realized, you know, we had a very deep soul connection. It was instant. Absolutely. And it was only a few years ago, got two or two and a half. And so I would say we're kind of becoming the people we're helping each other become kind of the people that we would want to be as friends is the way I'm kind of framing our discussion, like how we are emerging. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what you would have to say about that, how becoming the person you want to be is witnessed by someone who you meet in your life and you don't put labels on and you get away from language around and and what is all the platonic, sexual, romantic? Like, give me some of your thoughts about all of that.
2: Well, I have. Uh, thank you for asking. Thank you for having me on. It's always a joy to be with you and see you um, always, preferably in person. But this will have to do. I've always been a big believer in friendship and the power of friendship and friendship, like everything else, has its uh, its duality and its paradoxes, meaning um, we are all we all come to the table with our own lenses right so what's friendship to one may not be friendship to another and so i am um what has sort of unfolded for me is this desire to meet people in a place that i call mutuality and magic you know wherever the mutuality is and wherever the magic is and so that's where i want to focus in on with my friends and um I think that labels get in the way so often they're helpful and they can be very harmful because they, they create uh, understanding around shortcuts and um, there's a shared language. Oh, she's my friend. He's my friend. Right. But that could mean, and that could mean different things to different people. So the openness um, is important to be able to have conversations about what it means. I learned at a young age that not to expect uh, other people to have my friendship, my level of what that means to me, because by doing that, because of the type of person I am and why friendship is so important to me, most people were not, uh, this doesn't, I don't mean to sound egotistical of this, they weren't at my level, meaning whatever level I was at, some it meant different things to different people. Well, so, on a
0: vulnerable level, that could also mean that they don't want to show up to meet your needs and you don't maybe show up in all of their needs. I mean, we, we also are learning ourselves, right? So,
2: right. Right. So when we, when we meet people where they are and where we are and where that mutual, uh, mutuality over overlaps, that can overlap on a Monday, and by Friday, somebody's in a different place, right? So, so how do we how do we keep saying, "Oh, we're in this together"? We can't promise that we'll feel the same way about those people um, in a day, you know, in the sense of there's things that are sustainable. You know, so you can learn something about someone and think or feel really. Wow, I just shifted how I feel about this person because we're all unfolding. And long-term friendships, you know, take the same kind of work at times as long-term romantic or sexual relationships. It's no different. And for me, paying attention to those relationships is super important because as an only child, I, you know, friends were my chosen family. And so I want to choose wisely. And I think more and more, whether people are only children or half siblings, it doesn't really matter. Friendship can be for so many of us, the most chosen beautiful families that we have because sometimes blood doesn't really hold it together. History doesn't always hold things together as we shift. And so I think communication is the only way and being able to let go if something's not working. You know, I think all of us hold on to things uh, because we feel like we're supposed to. If, if a friend is treating me badly, it's okay for me to let them go if I've really tried, right? If I've really tried and say, you know what, no can do no mas. You know, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. And I'm not here to serve someone else's needs. And I think having deep friendships requires us really tapping into what's most important to us. And I think in friendships, it's easy for any of us as humans to lose ourselves in someone else's needs. And those of us who are people pleasers, you know, it's like, okay, we keep trying to make it work. And, uh, and, um, I've noticed that at really transformative places in my life, periods where there are huge shifts going on. Those are times when friendships may not, certain friendships may not last because certain people want to hold on to the construct of what worked. But now it's not working for me, but they want it. No, 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 I liked it the way it was, you know. I know you may have, but that, I realized, wasn't really serving me. And how can we grow together and learn together? And as I said to someone a few months ago, when people stop seeing each other because it's not working for one of them, Particularly as it relates, you know, this often relates in in romance or whatever those relationships are called, primary relationships, love, I don't know, they're all love relationships for me in some way. But, you know, with partners, somebody doesn't have to be wrong if it's not working, you know, somebody doesn't have to be right and somebody doesn't have to be wrong. It's just that it's not working for someone, and that's about alchemy, right? And sometimes you can change alchemy because someone shifted the paradigm by simply going into the next level. And you and I, it was really one of the blessings of uh, the last year or so, you and I becoming friends and choosing to do that instead of pursuing something else to find that that's where the deepest well was available to both of us to be able to come to become and unfold into the the people that we most wanted to become our versions of what's the best version of ourselves not someone else's version you know i want to support you in being this right but that's not what i want for me you know i get it that you want it for me but i don't want that i want this you know and so getting and those, uh, and
0: those wants and needs change and so Our our relationship easily became platonic and people have a hard time with that. But the word platonic actually does mean it transcends the physical so that you are looking deeper at what someone else's needs are because there's a connection that, you know, even if we don't speak for uh, weeks and we're busy, it's not like it it doesn't have an attachment. It doesn't have an attachment that I need you to be there because we're not daily friends. I mean, I have different friends that show up differently right. at different stages of our lives. I did want to note based on what you said, that sometimes it's not one person right or wrong, but someone's going through something else. And if we can show and are available to show up for that, great. And they want to accept it. Great. That relationship may go through waves also. Right. I mean,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Go back I mean, them too. you know, I think that, um, what I want in my friendships and what I want in my love relationships are the same, pretty much, right? And I think that I always say that as it relates to friendships with women, and you and I don't have any script for this, so we're going to just riff on on whatever friendship means, because um, that's the way you and I roll better, I find i always say to women who may want a sexual or romantic relationship with me that it always starts with the friendship and friendship even from the get-go from the moment even if we're not yet friends because we don't know each other like friends on a deeper level who really know each other it has to start with the human interpersonal connection you know if it starts with the sexual connection and finding the friendship later that's not where I want it. It leaves me feeling bereft. And so I start, I mean, there's always the joke about men, you know, thinking with their dicks, you know, and, and, Whenever I may have ventured towards that or in that, it never ends well, right? It never really holds together in the way. It's one thing if people just want a purely sexual relationship. It's like, okay, you know, come and go. But that that never worked for me. I was just never that guy. I always wanted more. I never wanted to be in that position where I'm thinking, like, why am I here? You know, kind of thing afterwards. And so, and in my personal friendships, I want to go to the depths of, wherever we can go, which is why I tend to hang out with women more than men. Because in my experience, women can, you and I have talked about this, women can tend to go deeper initially, immediately, viscerally, by their nature, it seems, and more often than men can. And I love my male friendships, have learned so much through them, and the wise men in my life. And at the same time, there are men who who have said to me over time, if not for you, we wouldn't be friends this long because I pay attention to them. I call people. I, you know, I send texts. I, you know, I'm I'm attentive and most men are not used to attending to relationships because we're often not wired In that way. And it's so sad to me. There's so many articles now about the death of friendship, the death of male men don't have enough friends. And it's obvious because they didn't learn how to do it. And I'm fortunate enough, not lucky, I'm fortunate enough to be able to. To be in that with anybody who wants to go deep with me i always say i want to meet people in the deep end of the pool in the middle of the conversation i don't want to go through the chit chat i'm not interested in where you went to high school i mean i'm interested in that kind of fun thing about connectivity and learning things but i really don't want to know what's in your heart and soul whether you're a man or a woman and accessing that in men it can often be a challenge
0: Right, so when you have male friendships, I would be curious, because this conversation I wanted to open around male-male friendships as well, is are they the what we traditionally consider like this performative thing, like we're doing things together rather than being together? So can you explain how you've tried to help shift that or what you've seen in that with Oh, yeah,
2: friends? you're asking a great question, honestly, because at the moment I'm in Mexico in San Miguel de Ande, and I've been uh, immersed by... A, doing what I do, which is meeting people and finding out where it takes me. And, th- and the connector connects you to a connector, you know, you just find your way. I was introduced uh, by a very dear friend who lived here and visited me here for a week. He introduced me to an old friend of his, who's in his 70s, who then brought me to a game this week, last week, of bocce, right? That's played out of town here in this sort of secretive, amazing place where there were probably, and the, and the every, they meet every Thursday, okay? Every Thursday. And it's a way to get away, for those of whom are in partnerships with women, away from that, you know, away from the wife or the partner or the girlfriend or whatever, not to run away, but to just be with the guys, right? And I never do that. I don't, you know, I love watching football with my son, but in general, I'm not one to watch, you know, have 10 guys in a living room watching a football game on the weekend. I'd rather be t- with 10 women talking about relationships, you know. <laughs> and so so it's You're more an much even right? though I like football, even though I love playing sports, you know, it's just more interesting to me and it's also where guys go when they get together watching a football game. What are they talking about? They're not talking about the stuff that I want to talk about. So I go to this bocce game. I have no idea what to expect. Some guys in their 40s, some in their 50s, some in their 60s, some in their 70s. And they've all been together. They're all expats who've moved there. And bocce was this game that allowed them to be serious about the game but not serious in a competitive, you know, they want to play well, they want to win, but there's none of this male competitive thing going on really at its core. They it with each other, they give each other shit. And yet the nature of the game, because people only four people are playing at a time and you have 10 guys, they're sitting out waiting for the game to go and the game could go for a half hour. And to be around men who were talking about that, right. Talking about life, Talking about getting older, talking about stuff was so revelatory because it wasn't about the typical stuff, and it was heartfelt. Heart and the next morning I had um breakfast with another man who I had been introduced to my second day here, who who grew up in New Jersey and was a very successful lawyer. And I told him that um, how beautiful it was to be around these men. And he, know, he knew many of them. He's never played bocce there, but he knew some of them, certainly the person I brought there. And I told him how I'm used to hanging out with women all the time. And he said, dude, dude, that was me. And here, I can't tell you how I, I'm part of a men's group that's not like a typical men's group. I have 10 to 12 male friends who I care about. We go, get together. We talk. I I love this aspect of my life, being able to have a tribe of men who I adore and love and could go deep with. And my mouth was open. I'm like, introduce me to any of them. And of course, the filmmaker in me wants to because I've been always wanting to do a documentary about male friendship because my dad grew up with these guys in high school from the time they were 14 in the Bronx till they all died off in their eighties and nineties and some earlier. And my son has a group of guys who he went from K- kindergarten through, and now he's 28 and they're still his friends and other friends of mine who have these tribes. I never had that because I looked at life differently. And often I had to combat a question that always blew my mind, which is what are you gay? And I'd think, wait, what is being sensitive or wanting to talk about this stuff have to do with being my sexual identity? This is as a teenager and somebody in my 20s. And some people would have run away from that. And I just held true to what I knew because I never knew the male way. I didn't have a dad who was that typical kind of guy. And so I learned from women what friendship was about. And I learned about... Being open and transparent and wanting to be more of that because I didn't, I couldn't sort of hide out. And it was very intimidating to a lot of men. Really looking for at this stage of my life to expand the nature of where I can go for camaraderie. Right. Because it's great to have women friends, but they're and they're also not a man. And sometimes you want someone in the same gender to be able to say, this is what I feel. And not just from an empathy like, oh, I can understand this. I'm a woman. I can understand how you feel. Yeah. 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 I love that, too. But I want it from a man who understands the pain of maybe not a daughter talking to him, you know, or the pain of being that emotional you know, resource for women and allowing myself, what does it mean when I'm a great friend to a woman to feel like, oh, maybe I'm giving my power away, right? A little bit because I'm so concerned about her needs. And how how can I nurture my female friend here? It feels different sometimes than what a man might need, right? And I so
0: think it would be different for what a man because of our programming, but I'm curious about your dad. You said something so if you was trying to take you back to that. Why do you think you didn't model any of that camaraderie with male friendships after your dad?
2: I think there's a lot of reasons. Well, one is one is that my dad had these friends, you know, when they would come over and they were lifelong friends. They were like my family when my mom was sick and dying and all of that. These men and women were there in support of my father and my mother. And I loved these guys. They were really delicious humans. The point is that where I would tend to feel most comfortable was in the kitchen with the women. And that's where I learned my greatest lessons, even though I love that. Because those guys, they stayed in the simple lives of what they would talk about was nothing, really, very much, right? They weren't talking about aging or this or that. Who knows what they were even talking about when the women in the kitchen were talking about the stuff that seemed more deep and wide and and beautiful and all this kind of stuff. And I never, because I grew up, as an only child, I never felt part, like part of a tribe, right? And so, I whereas my son, where Cooper's very fortunate to have all these friends that they grew and expand and challenge together, I never found that tribe. I had it when I was younger, and then when I went to a different school in seventh grade, I never found that. And also because I feel like, i never want to lose myself in a in a tribe right i i I can be part of many tribes but you ain't getting me to drink the kool-aid whether it's at a synagogue there's part of me that's like more of an individual i don't want to be subsumed in that and i can see how that happens and so finding the safe places like as an example these guys on from thursday to thursday who played bocce I don't know how many people Frank, you know, talks to during the week, but to know that he's in a safe space for guys to hang out and smoke their cigars and talk and chat and not have to be anything for anybody other than show up as themselves is very appealing to me because it's not like oh these guys get together seven days a week, you know, it's like they have their lives, but here's a place that you can feel safe in. And I've been looking for always wanting to attract tribes where I can drop in and be in and be a part of it. So I didn't mirror that because I wasn't I didn't have those people. I wasn't I didn't feel connected to a group of guys in high school. Right. They were not my people, you know, nice people, but not my people. And because I've been feeling my way as to how do I want to show up in the world? My tribe generally is not about gender. And it's not about age. And, it's, you know, and I start to realize, I start to realize that I want to belong to many different tribes.
0: So, Jonathan, you're telling me about kind of this tribe, like you always wanted to have a tribe. Right. And and, and we still, it's again, I guess, again, you're only in Mexico temporarily unless you stay. And I just think it's so interesting, that idea of how we are becoming, like how we how we need belonging and and you want it to be an out you want to be able to witness yourself as as self-authorized. And then you want to be able to integrate as part of something. So it's always holding this paradox, right? And right. sometimes people get too caught up in one or the other. So it's hard for them to create friendships.
2: Right, totally. How do you how do you make it an end, you know? And how do you I mean to me, I think so much is about creating safe spaces, right? And safe spaces in friendships mean that. We're allowing for people to shift in their interests you know um i have one of my what i think is one of my closest male friends and we used to talk every sunday like it was in our calendars and he lives cross-country and then it kind of waned you know like he kind of just couldn't show up enough and now i i honestly don't know where our friendship is i know the love's there okay i know the love is there i just don't know where the friendship is right And I don't know where the, what are we? And again, back to not needing to label it, it's not a name, but it's a space, right? Where, if I want to meet people where they are, okay, where are we? You know, like what capacity do you have? And I think when two different people have different capacities, I've come to realize, and this is, been long in realizing because of my type of energy and wanting to sustain things and make things and move things and create things that sometimes not everybody can meet me there right so it becomes too much or something like that and and so I just want to keep paying attention like maybe we're meeting over here right but we used to meet over here wherever that is on the spectrum of something so wherever it is is fine. I just want to know what it is. Right. If I'm not expecting that we're going to connect every Sunday for 20 minutes, half hour. Okay. Then how do we, what, what's the mana from heaven that we're eating? You know, what are we drinking from? Right. If we're just talking every few weeks and it's chit chat about a business deal or okay, then that's what it is. Right. It's just not what it was. And, um,
0: and that's the acceptance piece of the nature of, of change. Right. And I do I do think that that's why friendship is so interesting, because we have had, you know, at any one time, there's there are all these studies that talk about that we hold 150 people in our village at any one time, almost like old villages. But I'm not even sure, because what we're, you and I are talking about more is the kind of thing that nurture each other in different ways. And I think at different times, if we cannot expect and we cannot be attached, just like you said in relationships, then we allow for first ourselves to feel our own the holding the holding our 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 self-authoring, our introverted, our internal life with enough presence that it can sustain us through times that we don't have those connections. So the first thing is for friendship, I think, is the befriending ourselves, that that belonging to our bodies, that that ever present, important, evolving journey that we don't get too caught up in the attachment of what we need from someone else. I mean, it's always comes down to that,
2: that is right? so true. That is so true. I mean, I don't think many of us know how to be good friends to ourselves. It's easier to care for others than engage in self-care. Right. And I think for people who have grown up to be nurturers or people pleasers or felt like their needs had to come second it's a big deal when you put your, nur- you know or when somebody says oh you're being so selfish and it's like hmm. couldn't call me something more heinous in in many ways and yet at the same time that's a label because what do they say on the airplane and this is always an overused metaphor put on your mask first right and i know as a parent Having when having gone through struggles, that if I'm going down with the ship when my kid's not at their best, right? If I can't hold the space for someone else. So how can I be the best? You know, my being a best friend to someone else is to be the best friend that I can be for myself. And it sounds so cliche. And it's so fucking true. I mean, I've come to learn how true that is. If we're not showing up for ourselves, then we're not really the best friend that we could be for other people. Right.
0: Exactly. So that's why I wanted to say that mirror is the most important thing, I think, for us to c- continually come back to. And if someone provides a mirror for us to welcome that and let go of that ego about how, okay, so I've been now disconnected from this person. What is it that I can learn? It's coming back to the learning lessons on a regular basis that is sometimes painful because when we give our heart and we want to nurture, this is not an easy Absolutely. thing to do. I- I'm trying to create kind of my own little thesis about this friendship. So I'm going to engage you in the languages that I came up with instead of the five love languages, because they're in development and I welcome your input on them. And I think you and I connect on the first one right away, which I'm calling the language of play. The language of play. And I think in a friendship, first, obviously if we know what ignites our own play and activate well you're hitting on
2: what these guys are up in the bocce court because they play together in a way that's not so they don't have to do anything other than hang out for three hours together just being kind of and
0: it's not competitive and i don't want to judge sports guys who just watch sports and yet i think they're feeling a little lacking i mean we have another interview with carl Honore, and i know my you know amir and many of his friends are saying they want richer friendships they don't just want doing they want discussion of their lives like these bocce guys so okay. i think holding both like so play and connecting through that like I, i'll never forget that day in new york when we just played in that field in sheep's meadow in central okay. park like it was like the play just emerged into our feelings of our strongest selves and i believe that that's what connects us and can connect friendship in such a great way so play is one of the languages another one so i'm gonna let you give it some thought and if you right away think of things because i think your brain does that the other one is kind of an acts of generosity. Uh-huh. And, I, and I think acts of generosity are about showing up and about, you know, knowing that someone needs you in a different way. So it is about how do I support somebody and show up for them? Because I want to use my gifts in a way that are being seen as well, not taken advantage of, but seen in it in their full generosity. Well, I, I
2: think also that that requires uh, a lot about emotional uh, reliability, right that Mm -hmm. no it's not about oh someone's in a great mood all the time it knows that you can means though that you can count on them that you know that that space is being held consistently even if someone's not in the best space to do that 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 you know that they sort of they're emotionally reliable that's a that's a very important uh important thing for me I don't want to interrupt you but there was something that I wanted to mention uh, because it relates to labels and it relates to languaging, and as we unlabel friendship, meaning what does that really mean, right? I think that the word friend, uh, lots of people just refer, oh, that person's my friend, when they're not really a friend. They're an acquaintance, you know, for some of those things. You know, what's the difference between that? But we're growing up in a a time when, a lot thanks to Facebook, thanks meaning the duality of, hey, thank you, what you brought up (laughs) in this world, right? Right. The paradox of the heinous and the helpful, but oh, they're my friends, right? You could have five thousand friends on Facebook, right? are those people really your friends? do they like you? do they love you? do they know you? So the word friend has by nature in languaging of the modern times become watered down yes people say those are my friends. oh, I've never met them. oh, you know like. Because you create this false sense of knowing, and you look at, oh, here's your friend traveling, here's what they're going through, here's where we had dinner, blah, blah, blah. You know what they care about, they write a post, but do you know them? Is that person really your friend? Would you call them in a moment of challenge and crisis?
0: In most cases, people are not even posting about their, in that space. Oh, yeah. So that's why those spaces have been, I think those spaces have been kidnapped. So I I almost am kind of putting them aside. (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> and and we are trying to unlabel friends and just look at the like you were saying the magic or the meeting place. I think you had two words for that with Emma. Oh,
2: magic, um, mutuality, and magic. Right.
0: The mutuality and magic. Where do we meet? So I think that we meet through different languages in in our self expression. And first, like you said, emotionally stability and emotional regulation and self awareness is always first. So I would say that that act of generosity has to come from first, like we said, being. First of all, playful with ourselves, my first thing, generous with ourselves so that we can show up even or not because we need to have boundaries and say, right now, I'm really taking care of myself. These are all parts of the vulnerable communication that we need unless someone else's crisis is huge, which... Right now I'm showing up with a family and another friend person abroad that as much as possible because they're going through a really big crisis, life crisis. So sometimes we subjugate our needs because we know that we go through waves and that's an act of generosity.
2: Yes, for sure.
0: And the other one I had is inspiration, almost like this, the idea of of, of someone who's the way they live their lives is an inspiration to me. And I think we want to find those people that elevate us. So we don't look for how do we take them down? We look for how do we evolve?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny that you're talking about that. I couldn't think of a more perfect day to be talking to you about friendship today because I got acknowledged so deeply um, by two close female friends this morning just for being inspired by the way I've been moving through my life as an inspiration for them to live theirs, including my friend Liz, who I always want you to meet who is about to go through a groundbreaking thing I believe professionally but it took her lots of moving through um you know moving through like beliefs about herself and hard to confront and I could show up for her in unconditional ways that don't have to tell her what to do it just she's encouraged to be more courageous by observing and I, it it just brought tears to my eyes this morning because it's a big deal what she's about to embark on. And I know the struggles that she had with our own inner demons, right? How do we show up? You know, our enemy is more often mine, you know, ourselves than anybody else, right? What is, how do we get out of our own way better? You know, because we all have ways that we sabotage ourselves on, you know, unintentionally or whatever, but our Achilles heels are Achilles heels. Or are Achilles heels? And I think what I want to say, shadows
0: are our shadows, right?
2: Oh, totally. And I think what I always want to teach young people and, you know, as as for you, intergenerational connectivity is such an important thing, the wisdom of perspective from different generations. And I think just showing up is so 90 percent of it and then learning how to show up for other people. And that doesn't mean it's going to work for you.
0: So you talked about inspiration, but then you kind of merged into what I did think of as this next language, which is kind of a creative stimulation. So even if that young person, which would be, I think, more or or that one-year relationship, a friendship, offered me a creative opening in my being, they were a friend for that time. That created, or it could be in a a heart mind, mastermind, those places that are creatively stimulating, together we created something new in that moment. A little different than inspiration. Inspiration is somebody watching you, and sometimes I have that with some of my older friends that are mentors to me, right. and I found a friendship in that. Creative stimulation to me it is almost like it can be momentary. It can be really momentary, that reason, season, lifetime, or it can yes. last if that person can emerge in your creative path a long time. But it's just an interesting way to connect, just with that, how that person offers me a new perspective,
2: you know there's there's a there's this thing that <clears throat> i think the first time i heard about this notion which has been used by many different people but i think it was ascribed to plato or someone you don't know what the other guy's going through you never know what the other guy's going through
0: yeah, that's a rare and beautiful thing out there. So, as open nesters, listen to this. I think this is a time in life to, to really look deep at what are your what are your own what's your languages, what are your what are your integration what's your evol- evolution and awareness about yourself and then how you can show up in these. So I like I love trying to use languages even though again it's defining it without not you know that we all have different languages with different friendships about yes, what we totally. can and then the other uh, last one I have is kind of which is. <clears throat> Also touches on something you started talking about is kind of value alignment. Like if someone's a good friend, they can actually get in there and say, would you like me to make a suggestion that seems like you're going to that may help you because you don't want to criticize them. But you want to show up and say, you know, you you this is what you originally wanted. This is who you originally are. It's reminding them (laughs) again. Of where their best self is in their values oh, yeah. so that they don't go astray. And I think a friend showing up like that is a huge asset. Oh, my God. Yes. We're So not usually able to do. Because yeah, who we wants get a-
2: people to just blow smoke up your ass all the time yeah. and say it's OK? I mean, it doesn't make you wrong. I mean, some some other person who I recently met here wrote me something this morning that was just so outrageous and it was like expectations of other people and things and you know not even sort of asking and creating such incredible separation and I think being inquisitive about it, being able to have questions, not answers for people. And to be what we it, this sort of connects it what what I what I've said is um mirrors not gurus. You know what I mean? Yes. And And how do we do that for other people instead of, well, I know better what's better for you, is how do we illuminate a a path for someone where someone like what Liz wrote to me this morning about thank thank you for being an inspiration and a guide by how you have become more courageous in living and that allows her to step out of her comfort zone into a place that she knows that she wants to be. Now, you may step out of it. And realize, oh, fuck, I want to go back in my cave or I want to actually be a little. I'm not ready. Right. But you think you're ready. And I think it goes back to something else you were talking about before about what what do you want? Right. What do you what is it that you're wanting to call in? And the truth is that I believe that there is a huge difference at times between what people say they want and what they actually do want, because often they're given what they say they want. Here, I'm giving you what you say you want. And then it's, uh, no, you know, it could be about a job. It could be about a situation. It could be a realizing. I mean, as you know, I was in a relationship with someone who was, um, was not ready for a level of intimacy and nakedness and, what that meant to be with somebody because she had been with somebody who never seemed to talk. And then she ends up with me who never shuts the fuck up sometimes. And, you know, the truth is that you're being called out, right? And sometimes we're not ready for what we think we want, right?
0: So a real friend is like knows what's in your heart because they've spent enough time with you, I think. I don't think that's a quick thing. Or sometimes you can all of a sudden the mirror of that person can actually show you a value of what you want. If you're really letting your vulnerable ego go, your vulnerability out and your ego go, oh, that resonates with me like what Liz said to you, that you're living this way and she's willing to stretch. So my question would be, how do you help her do that? even if she goes through a tough time with it, like that would be the value alignment. If she wants somebody, right. So how would you do that? How would one do that?
2: I mean, just constantly remind them that it's okay to, you know, we all fall down, right? We all, right. right? So it's not to make them wrong for, oh, you weren't ready. I mean, we all know things about ourselves and then others figure it out. And we feel like we can hide out when other people see right through our bullshit all the time, you know? And uh, I think uh, compassion and empathy is a huge thing. So when we see someone who's trying, I mean, we have to encourage the trying part um, and not the, Oh, it didn't work out. You know, I have, uh, I've had such a challenge in life through the, uh, because of the word mistake, right? Uh, Cause people use that often to describe choices that they made that didn't work out the way they wanted right so it was a mistake right but then when you press forward like oh well wait didn't that magnificent thing happen from that mistake didn't you meet your beloved from that mistake you know it was a mistake to go to that college well didn't you marry your beloved who you met in that you know or a mistake to marry that person often people will say such a mistake and then it's like didn't you have those children How could that be a mistake? These are the children you're meant to have in your life, right? How can we reframe? I mean, it comes back to labels a lot because I really, the helpful part of language is great and the harmful part is like that because just talk about mistakes. We live our lives. We've grown up from the time we're a kid and taking our first spelling test in first grade or whatever, not to make mistakes, right? Why'd you get a 95 or whatever, you know? And Mm -hmm. what did you make a mistake on? And it's like, oh, you learned from that or whatever. And it's like, I used to talk to my dear friend and rabbi friend uh, because he would use the word mistake in a sermon and it would just stick in my ear, like, because it's a choice, right? I mean, obviously we want things to work out certain ways, but unless we, it's a difference between, playing to win and playing not to lose or playing to live versus not it's like we're not going to move and live the depths of our lives unless we fall down a lot unless we get bruised a lot and then can grow and our well is grown that's why i'm a big fan of as you know (coughs) excuse me richard Rohr and uh center for action and contemplation whose book, Falling Upward, is one of my favorite books I read in 2021. No, 2022. Sorry, we're in 2023. All about falling upward. That In the two halves of life, to live a meaningful life in the second half of your life, whatever that is, you can't really have the fullest, deepest, most luscious, yummy, experiential thing unless you fall the fuck down a lot in the first part and try shit on instead of living in this cage, this cave. Right. To protect ourselves from from her. What happens? Like, you must know people, too, after a painful relationship where their heart was broken. Right. They say, oh, I'm never going to risk that again. And because like, why wouldn't you want to risk that every fucking day?
0: And the same with friendship. So I actually think this is a good point for us to kind of wind down on because I I, I want I, we were trying to keep our interviews um at a point where 45 minutes or so. So I just wonder anything else that you want to say, but I do love this concept of that. If we don't fall into fall by trying, including friendships, it requires risking our heart, right? It really does. Well,
2: every day, every moment I, and you know, yeah. And our heart doesn't have to be broken by a lover. You know, it could be broken by ourselves. It could be broken by just, you know, compassion in the world. And, I just feel like the best friendships are the ones where we can really show up I I, I don't know de- demarcated friendships is you know is is a friend one who you you know have a sort of simple little thing you share a love of a you know oh you love Van Gogh so you go to the Van Gogh exhibit is that a friend I don't know we each have our different you know levels of friendship what is the mutuality That allows us to create the magic and maybe it is a simple little thing maybe it's that we both love to play ping pong and that's where that's what it's about but not limited in in oh they have to be within these silos i'm not a big believer in silos and i think that um one of my greatest prides is when often this is between women When a woman will say, oh, I met the greatest female friends in my life through you, you know, like introducing women to each other to become friends, because I know there are people who say, oh, I have enough friends and I get what they mean, because time is limited. And yet at the same time, at the same time, there's never I always feel like there's space. To like love people. And the thing that I most want to sort of say, the one that you asked me, if there's one thing I feel like at this point in my life, the thing that I most want to be around, the elements that I most want to be around are people who get me and like me and see me more than love. I can get all the love. I, I get a lot of love, but if I'm getting love from somebody who doesn't even understand me, it has a different quota. I want somebody to see, I get where your heart is. I get where your vulnerability is. I get who you are. I get that you're insane. I get that you're loving. I get all of that. I like you, right? When my daughter was five, we were walking to school one morning, and I said, Maya, I really like you. She looked at me, and she was like, but, Daddy, I'm your You know, like, of course you like me, whatever she said in her five or six-year-old thing. And I said, no, 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 no. no. That's why I love you is because you're my daughter. But I like you because of who you are, how you roll, how you think, you know. And I feel that more and more and more than ever. I don't – I I can get – self-love is great. Sometimes self-like can be more challenging, right? And so I really – that compassion, I, I want to be around friends who – who like me and see me, and that's a whole other thing that I could talk about with you, which is I've come to realize that people who know me now, who see me now, know me better than people who have known me for 50 or 60 years, potentially, know me as this person. So while history is important in context and understanding the journey of, wow, Jonathan, look how far you've come right look how you who you've become from that you've rearranged constructs and belief systems some of the people you meet now they don't give a fuck about that and that's okay because they are honoring you for who you are in this moment not the journey necessarily but how you're showing up in the present and i think it's sometimes very hard for old friends for some of us who have shifted drastically in aspects of who we are really to be able to accept us for who we are, you know? And that's why I think for a lot of people, it's about letting go often as we get older from relationships that are not working. I think it's really very brave of us when we say no to something that's not working. It's really saying yes to us.
0: That is the most beautiful way to close. Thank you so, so much. This was such a gorgeous interview.
2: You've taught me a lot by... Our friendship has taught me a lot about how to show up for people, and so I honor you for that.
0: And I honor you, babe. Thank you. Really,
2: I'll see you soon.
1: Wow. So that was very in-depth information, and I love to hear Jonathan speaks, because he's so articulate and he knows his stuff, and he has is very much in touch with himself and his feelings, and it's always good good to hear. But there are many many subject matter that have been covered on this particular podcast, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I mean i I have a few highlights I would love to feature, but what did what did you think? Because I was the one on the interview. Well,
1: well the, the beginning it says, uh, he says that he likes to meet people in their levels and some some of them are not and you know I- some may take it as a snobbish statement but you know we all lions and we all foxes sometimes we meet people uh, if if I ever meet you know the CEO of uh, of Apple you know I I may not feel in his level Uh, the other way around somebody maybe I meet somebody that is not uh, uneducated or uh, I don't have anything in common I may not feel in his level so uh, feeling somebody in his level is not really uh, anything that uh, we can say because you know for sometimes we are not in the other level of people and and sometimes we feel that other people so we have to take people for who they are whenever they are especially if we meet them uh, under you know other circumstances you never know somebody can help you uh, change a flat tire he may not be in your level you may think but you may become a good friend with him
0: well, that would definitely not be the levels that i think jonathan was referring no, to and and i also think that there's a that there's this embracing this paradox of uh of meeting people at at the level they were where they are and, and 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 then also wanting the friendships that help us grow and knowing that there's both and so we all we all have it's always and instead of or and I think the biggest takeaway for me was that, that he has a, the attention to relationship that's needed. And, you know, it's interesting. I think I, I once told you, I've taught this, that attention in Hebrew is to put your heart, sim lev, And he was saying that attending to relationships that yeah, a lot I of agree. men don't do. A- a- and that's actually what I it's wanted a, to focus on with we, you, two. We
1: definitely, uh, it's an att- attribute that is, that is missing in the male side. Uh, we, we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to be attentive and learning. And, you know... M- JP uh, relationship with his women remind me of mine because I am try to be as attentive as I can possibly can and sometimes giving power away to somebody is not a sign of weakness actually it's a sign of strength
0: I think men are practicing friendships with women and now they're and now there are these men groups I think that are forming, and I love this the the idea of play, but yet not being like you. You like to play backgammon as an example. I was thinking about that with sure. Bachi when Bachi, when he was talking about Bachi, about the, the men meeting. Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, I can I can see myself meeting in a in a in a, some remote uh, bar and some kind of a hole in the wall place, and meeting some incredible people and hanging out and smoking a cigar. Not that I smoke a cigar, but hanging around and playing backgammon. I can see myself doing that. That. That, that that's right on the,
0: the question is again is is it this language that i'm calling uh, the play language but also that language that that you're not just doing you're also being because you're you're not competing and so I, I love that part of it and that's what i was emphasizing for you because i know you do it with a lot of joy when you play back of in.
1: course but on, on the other end there's there's this group of people that meet they call them the parliament you know they create this group of people that meet on a weekly bi-weekly uh schedule and they meet and they talk and they friends and they eat together and they laugh and they play and they tell jokes and that's that's a form of play
0: absolutely i love i and, and i love the idea that when if men do and learn and i hope by listening to this, men can learn about friendship because they're listening to men who are listen, looking at, at what is how how we can make not necessarily even mistakes. Which I, I understand what Jonathan was saying. The word mistake is is not the point. The point is it's okay to fall down, and then how do we know that's part of risking when we put our hearts forward? It's okay to fall down. Some of the friendships will work, will work, and some won't. So. This is all part of friendship. <laughs> I,
1: I happen to agree. It's all part of friendship, and it's all part of growth. And I guess we will spend a lifetime trying to perfect our ability to create friends, to be with friends, and to be a good friend. And it's really difficult. It's not that easy to be a good friend. For some people, it's come naturally, but sometimes it requires require investment, require attention, requires uh, um you know you have to get gi- generosity you have to give some of yourself to your friends and,
0: and if, you're mo- if you if you've been lucky to be modeling my mom was a great friend. And so I didn't have to work so hard to learn how to do it. For other people they have a harder time. My biggest compliment is what our daughter recently told me. She said, I learned from you how to make friends, how to keep friends, and how to, how to end friendships. Because all those qualities really do matter. And they take work.
1: And the, f- and the famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, by Dale Carnegie, which is a classic of all times, don't necessarily make friends, but you make acquaintance and you get your way. So there's many kinds of friends out there
0: <laughs> not for those but i'm not for those but that's okay all right well that's enough for said we've had a nice long interview so l- anyway wrap it up
1: <laughs> uh please visit our website at theopennesters.com that's double N in the middle s at the end we'd love to hear from you about your comments about the friendship series or any other topic that you may want to hear about please write us uh, to Tessa what's your e- email Tessa
0: Tessa at the Open Nesters and also in our closed Facebook page we have a nice discussion and we'd love you to be on our Instagram community and subscribe to the podcast everywhere you have podcast. I want to also invite you since you're going to the website which if you're listening now on a platform I do really welcome you to the website to sign up for the newsletter and I'm doing I'm taking tips from every one of these and the languages that I was developing this time we talked about play I'm sending people the tips and part of my ebook in development on friendship. So if you subscribe, you'll get all that great stuff.
1: Fantastic. That sounds a good deal for me. So till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the
0: Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Krohn Music by Yoni Avipatat Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound Web Design and Blogs PJ Ewing This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at TheOpenNesters.com For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email Tessa at TheOpenNesters.com